Let the people of God say amen. amen. Can you say amen again? Amen. It's noon on a Tuesday. Somebody shout amen. amen. So grateful to be with you today. Want to thank Reverend Paul for that uh, introduction. Want to thank Reverend Scott for the invitation and Sister Heidi for uh, following up and chasing me down and ensuring that I got here at the right time on the right day to be back with you uh, here at Calvary. What a blessing it is to be with you today. Uh, in my tradition, we tend to be a little uh, animated, and so I'm just going to ask as I stand, it will help me calm the nerves and center uh, the presence of the Lord in this place. Let's give God a hand clap of praise today. What a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing. God bless you. I want to thank God for uh, members of my family uh, who are here today from both uh, the United Way of the Mid-South and uh, uh, St. Andrew AME Church. Uh, my wife, who is my best cheerleader and co-pastor for many, many years as we pastored together for 25 years at St. Andrew, uh, inexplicably is not here today. Uh, she is in Los Angeles uh, because of some occurrence. Last Saturday, I, we had the birth of our first grandbaby, a boy named Judas. And uh, so I, I, I do understand it is a very rare absence, and she uh, sends uh, her greetings and, and lifts me up uh, in prayer. There is a word from the Lord. God, we do thank you for this moment. We thank you for these that have gathered on their lunch hour, who are coming, who have centered, who have focused uh, today on uh, this season called Lent. We pray that you might uh, bless us in advance of this word. Speak to me, speak now through me, God, that your word may go forth. We ask it in Jesus' name, and the people of God said amen. In Matthew, the 8th chapter, beginning of the 28th verse, uh, we find these words in the King James Version. Uh, and when he was come, Jesus, to the other side, into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? And art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of the swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were cast out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. In verse 33, and they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. In the New International Version, those tending the pigs ran. A, went into the town and reported all this. B, including what happened to the demon-possessed man. C, 
Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. I want to preach today about people and pigs. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to preach about people and pigs. People and pigs. The response of the town folk seemed paradoxical. Two people, the Message Bible said, two madmen, victims of demons coming out of the cemetery. The men had terrorized the region for so long that no one considered it safe uh, to walk down that stretch of road anymore. When Jesus cast out the demons, verse 33 said, those tending the pigs ran off, went into town and reported all of this. Those who had seen it told the others what had happened. They went out and told it. At verse uh, 33, uh, when we first look at it, it's very reminiscent of uh, the woman at the well in John 4 who went and told the people in the city, come see a man who's told me everything that I've ever done. It's very reminiscent of the leper in Luke chapter 5 who went and told, despite explicitly being told not to tell, he couldn't keep it to himself. I mean, this could have been another example of an unforgettable testimony of Jesus' power, of Jesus' healing power, of his power, even over the demons. When the men went and told, and there's a much longer version in Mark chapter 5, and the message uh, translations that they, they came up to Jesus and saw the madman sitting there wearing decent clothes and making sense. No longer a walking madhouse of a man. I love that paraphrase because it, it says that uh, in some way you would think that the people would be ecstatic. But then you read at the end of the text, verse 34, the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, Instead of thanking him, instead of praising him, instead of glorifying God for the miracle, for restoring sanity to these two men, for making the place safe again so they could get up and walk downtown in Memphis without, I'm sorry, I'm in the text. So <laughs> instead of following him and celebrating the miracle and the transformation, uh, Reverend Paul, in the lives of these men, they pleaded with him to leave the region. What's up with that? Something wrong with that. Kids might say, something to matter with that. It makes no sense until you read the fine print in verse 33a. I'm not sure, but maybe verse 33a is illuminative. It sheds some light on what was happening in the text that day. The New International Version says, those tending the pigs ran off. When you read that, you knew something was up. Uh, this was not like the woman at the well. This was not like the leper who had been healed. They, they ran off. When you read it closely, it said that they who kept the swine, who were tending the pigs, uh, they didn't just run and tell. The King James Version said they fled. The Greek word, the etymology there is fugo, as in fugitive. They ran, they fled. The message paraphrased, they were so scared to death, the swine herds bolted. They ran off, went into the town and reported all this. 
And then the third phrase in verse 33, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Including. They told what happened about the pigs, but their story included what happened to the men. I'm not sure if they even knew the impact of their words. I, uh, if it were uh, intentional, I'm not sure. But it almost sounds like the piece about the demon-possessed men was just incidental to the main news that they ran and told about, which was about the pigs. It is as if the account of the men was just to introduce the means, the context whereby the thing had gone down about the pigs. It seemed as if somehow they were just sharing the context in which Jesus destroyed the pigs. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, I don't know. I'm just reading the text, Reverend Paul. I'm just reading, but as I read it, it sounds like they were only telling about the men parenthetically, the persons that had been delivered, the persons who had been set free, the persons who had been loosed, the persons who had been let go by the demons, the demons who had possessed them, the persons who had been cleaned up and restored to their right mind, the persons who in my tradition had been picked up, turned around, planted their feet on solid ground. It, it, it seems that they were only talking about the people parenthetically, accidentally, to get to the point about the pigs. Maybe, frankly, that was their intent to not only inform, but to indemnify themselves, or, or maybe to even inflame the crowd in the city against Jesus, and so that they would be mad at Jesus and not mad at them, because they knew that the folks to whom they were talking would have been more concerned about the pigs than people. Calvary, I'm not sure why they were all that concerned about the pigs. I really don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not certain. I'm certain those pigs represented somebody's livelihood. Uh, but in either case, verse 34, those who heard about it were angry about the drowned pigs. A mob-formed message paraphrase demanded that Jesus get out and not come back. Today, I'm, I'm just talking about people and pigs. Well, it, it's April the 2nd. I know I'm on very thin ice this morning because uh, here in uh, Memphis, many people have a very interesting relationship with pigs. Um, I, I mean, barbecue pork is a major food stuff uh, right here uh, in Memphis. Uh, uh, pork pigs are a major business, major driver of the economy. Next month, this is April, right? And uh, next month uh, in Memphis, uh, uh, in May, <laughs> next month, uh, the world will be here as we celebrate and uh, worship at the pit of the pig. 
You'll have very great difficulty getting down to Calvary next month because everybody will be here celebrating and glorifying what happens in the... I'm meddling now, I'm meddling, now, but I'm really in the text today. I'm in the text because what the pits represent is business and money and profit. And perhaps that's it in a nutshell why sometimes folks focus more on pigs than on the people. On this Lenten service, you do have to wonder where's the motivation, I'm just saying, where's the motivation for the healthcare delivery system to keep people well if providers are paid for sick care? I, I'm, I'm just wondering, if you don't mind, I'm just uh, thinking aloud. You, you, you have to wonder um, to truly rehabilitate prisoners in for-profit correctional institutions if you're paid on a per capita basis. In other words, if keeping the census up in the prison means that you make more money, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering where's the motivation to rehabilitate prisoners and get them out so that they live productive lives. Uh, for America to invest in high-quality, college-focused public education and public universities, uh, where's the motivation if there's a perpetual need for a permanent underclass of low-level laborers. Where, where's the motivation? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying you've got to consider the motivation. I'm in the text today. I'm trying to understand what's written here in the 8th chapter of Matthew. I, I, I'm trying to balance this thing. I, I see people, pigs. Pigs and people. Well, what would the world choose? A cleaned up person or a herd of pigs? I, I'm just saying, do you mind? Ask your neighbor for a moment. What, what would the world choose? Just have a little moment of questioning. Just what would the world choose? Uh, a cleaned up person or a herd of pigs? Well, in a perfect world, in theory, everyone would want everyone to do well until a false narrative reads that if you do well, I don't. That's the problem at the center of the immigration reform debate. See, it's perfectly all right if people come, cut the grass, trim the hedges, pick the peaches, manicure our lawns, plant the flowers. But if I think those people are messing with my pigs, it's on them. If I think they're taking my job, and by the way, they don't want your job. If I think they're using public services that my taxes are paid for, and if I certainly think that those people are voting for the other party, messing with my pigs, I, I'm just asking, what will the world celebrate when the lives of people and pigs intersect. I, I, I'm, asking, I'm, I'm so glad you asked me, and I'm the preacher of the day, and, uh, and I still do have uh, the pulpit. Well, uh, uh, but the Bible says that pigs represent what's valuable to the world. Folk might be awestruck when people are healed, but they're angry if you kill the pigs. Well, I'm through today. Time's about up. It's a very short service. Uh, back at St. Andrew, I could go for about an hour and a half, but y'all not going to stay that long today. I'm standing between you, the waffles, and the collard greens, uh, 
and the Tennessee bourbon pie. So I've, I've got to go. I, I've, I've, I, I'm through. But uh, if you allow me as I close, I can't help noticing that the world still seems to prefer pigs over people. The world values pigs over people. The world loves pigs over people. The world reveres pigs over people. I know I'm right about it. When fear of the loss of profit seems somehow connected to planes that are falling out of the air, people seem to value pigs over people. When what's hot in Tennessee is the promotion of school vouchers for families who, by definition, have twice the annual income of families who qualify for free and reduced lunches to escape the schools where children of those families who are getting free and reduced lunches are going to school. Someone is valuing pigs over people. When 128,000 children, did you read the headlines in the commercial appeal? 128,000 children have been cut off of 10 care. You can't tell me that somebody doesn't value pigs over people. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But as I peruse the news, and as I get ready to go back to United Way of the Mid-South, y'all are going to send me back. Well, Friday we're going to celebrate 95 years of a wonderful, marvelous organization, a public charitable foundation that last year touched the lives 400,000 times of people that are struggling in this community. As I go back to my day job and to my day ministry, as I peruse the news, it seems to me that somebody is still more concerned about pigs than people. 802 days, but who's counting uh, into a presidency when it seems that some choose trade deals or some other deals with Saudi Arabia over a cut down, chopped up Khashoggi. It looks, I'm just saying, when it seems that some uh, propose 15, 16 million dollars of cuts from Special Olympics over opportunity and equity for children with disabilities uh, when it seems that there are those who would rather close the border, tear children from their parents, incarcerate, or if you'll allow, put on ice hard-working journalists from this city and dash the dreams of dreamers. It, it, it would seem, it would seem, but I'm so glad today. I'm glad you've invited me. I'm glad, Pastor Scott, I'm here. I'm glad, Reverend Paul, I'm here. I'm glad that it's a Lenten season. I'm glad that we're here at Calvary. I'm glad you are a self-selected congregation today because in this place at Calvary today, some of us are helping Folk, achieve their dreams. We're not dashing their dreams. We're helping them achieve their dreams. Uh, people who are stuck in poverty. People who are getting the runaround from uh, social services. People that have been struggling in multi-generational poverty. People whose mothers and grandmothers and uh, daddies and granddaddies have been stuck in poverty. People that have been peripheralized and abused. People that are stuck in poverty. People, uh, I'm just saying, I'm so glad that there are folks in this sanctuary today that are helping folk achieve their dreams, uh, advance them from where they are to where they dream to be. I'm so glad that there are folks in this room who've come today to say we are all in when it comes to driving the dreams of, of people in Memphis. We choose people over pigs. Can I get a witness?
gotta go. I praise God for this passage in Matthew inserted between, interposed between uh, the stilling of a storm and the healing of a paralytic because it reiterates for me today Jesus' choice uh, of people, our safety, our welfare. It reiterates Jesus' choice uh, uh, of people, our lives, our livelihoods. It reiterates that the knowing and compassionate Jesus whose life and suffering we are celebrating during this Lenten season that Jesus is more concerned about people than he is about pigs. If I could go home in the old place and the old way I used to do it if I were saying it, they don't let me preach anymore. They put me out three years and three months ago, but I'm having a good time today. Jesus came because he chose people over pigs. Jesus died because he chose people over pigs. And in a couple of Sundays, every church in Memphis will be celebrating because one day, early on a Sunday morning, he got up because he was more concerned about people than he was about pigs. Come on, somebody, can I get a witness? Somebody put your hand up and say, I choose people over pigs. Say, I choose people over pigs. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, please, please, please. I ain't too proud to beg. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, please, please. Whatever you do, wherever you go, please choose people over pigs. God bless you, Calvary. God bless you. Say yeah. Aren't you glad you've got a Savior? Aren't you glad you've got a Jesus? Aren't you glad you know the one who loves people more than pigs? Amen.